This is FBG Jen and FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margo, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margo and on the line we have Jen. Hey guys. And we have Kristen. Hi. And Kristen, we talked to one of your friends today and she has a really cool job. She really does. That's for sure. You have the coolest friends, Kristen. I know. <laughs> I've gotten really lucky. This whole online thing, it really seems to be working out for me in terms of expanding my social circle. <laughs> Maybe you should make a career of it. I'll think about it. So we're going to be talking to Lindsay today. She's got a really cool job at Pop Sugar. But I wanted to share something with you guys. We got a five-star review in iTunes. Yay! Yay! And just so you guys yay. – yay, guys. So please, if you like what you hear, you know, of course you need to subscribe to the podcast. But if you love what you hear – and I know iTunes doesn't make it easy. But if you guys could just take a little bit of time and just leave a review for us, we will read all the five-star reviews that we get in. And we would just totally, totally love that. So uh, let me read this and give you guys some inspiration. So it's from Boy Mom JBH from the USA. She says, I really love listening to the FBG podcast. The guests have been awesome, and Jen, Kristen, and Margo ask such great questions that I'm always interested. I'm always so impressed by the caliber of the celebrities they have on the show. My only complaint is that the podcast isn't, isn't on more frequently. <laughs> keep up the good <laughs> work. Good, keep up the good work, FBGer. So thank you so much. That was awesome. Aww, that's awesome. And that's so cool to hear. So if other people have experiences, like, where do you listen? How, like, when, when do you like to listen? How often do you like to listen? Who will, do you want us to have on? I will take anything in a review. Absolutely. Yep. And, you know, reach out to us on social media or send us an email, podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. That's it, right? Podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. <laughs> and that's where you can also reach out to us. But, yeah, please, please let us know because we love to hear from you. We like to know we have fans. You know, it, it gives us a boost, right? Totally. And maybe like we could, I mean, if we read it on air, like we'll read what you write. So you could like write a haiku or something if someone's feeling particularly <laughs> sassy <laughs> or energetic. I don't know. I feel like if people started writing haikus for reviews, we might, we might track them down and send them something possibly. Oh yeah. We have some swag. Maybe we can send us people. I think I'm a, if yeah, we I'm can do that, I don't know if it's possible to track people down via reviews. I'm just well, we'd have to like teach them a podcast and then be like, you, now you're like in the logistics. I'm like, well, here's what we could do. We could have people then email us. Like we'd be like, we'd read the review and be like, hey, this is an awesome haiku, you know? Uh, yes. Annie G and Sarasota. And then I don't know what Annie G is, but anyway, that's what came to my mind. And they could be like, hey, email us. And then she'd have to prove her identity somehow, but. Awesome. I love it. So in today's show, we talk about celebrity stuff because she's got a really cool celebrity kind of job. But we also talked about books because she's a super smart lady and she loves books and literature and all that stuff. So I wanted to know, what are the three books you're digging right now? And we all made a list. And I don't know what you guys picked and you don't want, don't know what I pick, right? Right. Correct. Okay. So how do we want to do this? We want to go round robin or are we going to go through the full list? How do we want to do it? Can I just give my three because they all kind of yeah. – Yeah. Maybe. Go for it. Okay. 
So instead of me trying to pick the best three books of all time that I've read, because that's a tall order, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. And it could change very like every day. I will share the three books that I'm either currently reading or just finished. And the first one I just finished is called A Piece of the World by Christina Baker Klein. I heard about it on NPR one day. It's a historical fiction book that centers around and kind of fills in some of the historical historical gaps in the record of a painting called Christina's World done by Andrew Wyeth with, I don't know if anyone knows it, with oh, yeah. the girl. It's pretty well known. She's like on you know the bottom of the hill and she's kind of turned around and she's in a she's in a dress. I've always loved that painting and some for some reason it's always been kind of like oh gosh a little like gloomy but also just captivating. I've always been drawn to it. So I, I stumbled upon this interview on NPR where the writer was like did a whole historical fiction about Christina that the woman in the painting about her life and fills in the gaps with Andrew Wyeth coming and painting her and, and everything. And it was an amazingly beautiful book, not super always uplifting, but really like it had so much like grit and character and um, just kind of this desire to want to live no matter what the cost and no matter be who you are, no matter if that didn't fit in. So it was a really, really powerful book. So A Piece of the World, pretty new book. Came out in 2015, it looks like. And then the other thing is my husband reads a lot of sci-fi. He's been bugging me for forever to read whatever book he's reading. And so I finally was like, okay, I'm going to read The King Killer Chronicles which I think they're making into a movie soon. So he's like, you got to read this before it comes out of movie form because everyone's going to freak out about it. <laughs> so I started that, and it's very interesting. So if someone's looking for um, something kind of in that in that a fantasy kind of vein, um, check that out. And then the other thing that I started reading that I will do a review on and we'll put the – I probably will have the review done by the time this comes out so I can put the review in the notes, show notes, is White Hot Truth, which is Daniel Laporte's new book. Ooh. Ooh. And I love Danielle Laporte so much. I like gift her stuff all the time. I think as Pip Bottom Girls is technically an affiliate because I'm we're constantly like putting her journal and stuff and candles and note cards on um, lists and things because we love it so much. But her I'm new burning book, her candle right now. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Her latest book, White Hot Truth, is this. It's more personal than any of her other books. And she talks about, like, all the different ways that she's sought out self-improvement and how and, – and I'm not even fully done with it, but how it sometimes in that process, self-improvement and self-help can almost kind of be a veil for actually not liking yourself or not processing things properly because you just kind of push it aside, go to the next thing, try to be positive, move on, or you're always trying to fix yourself when really – you don't need fixing. You just need acceptance of yourself and self-love. So I thought it was a really cool message. And, oh, my God, I would love to have Danielle Laporte on the show. Okay, let's make it happen. I'll start uh, tweeting her incessantly. But, yeah, um, I've been really into that book. So if you're kind of a self-help junkie, it, I would really recommend that one. Kristen, what about you? Oh, well, I, I've got to say, like, narrowing it down to three books that I want to talk about is maybe the hardest thing anyone has ever asked me to do on this podcast. Because <laughs> um, I, like, I read a lot. And unlike I feel like pretty much everyone I know, um, I read a lot of fiction. 
Um, I just, I love it. That's my escape. So I decided that even though I'm reading a couple of really good nonfiction items right now, I'm, I'm going to stick to my novels that I'm digging. So currently I am halfway through a book that was, it's not a new one, but it's new to me, uh, The Power of One. And it is just a really beautiful story of a, a young boy in South Africa. And I don't, it's like, it's one of those that there's too much going on for me to try to just explain it in a glib little thing here, but it's, Oh, who's the author? We'll put in the show notes. Okay. If you look at it and you read the little Goodreads description and it appeals to you at all, like, please just pick it up. It's, it's wonderful. And it's nice and long, which is nice because it's so sad when I get into something and I'm loving it and I'm done with it in two days. Then and that, actually, I guess a couple of these have some racial awareness themes within them because my next one is Americana, which is, have you guys read it? I want to read that. No, I want to read that though. Yeah, and it's by Chimamanda. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I'm sorry. I'm a terrible person. Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Maybe I got that about right. But this is—it's a love story at its core, and um, but it really focuses so much on race and identity and the idea of of what race in the United States is versus race in other countries. And it's and she's really a fascinating person in general. Like she's got some, um, some really incredible feminist views and she's just wicked smart. And I, I love her and I loved the book and I didn't want it to end. So, so that's my next one. And then the final one is my favorite book of the last, I read it, I don't know, a little over a year ago and it's been my favorite since then and for the foreseeable future. And that is Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff who I actually have met. Um, she's she's from Gainesville, where I used to live, and went to school with some people I knew. And so I met her when she was doing a book signing for one of her older books and read, I think it was for Arcadia, and I read Monsters of Templeton, which was her debut novel, and it was so beautiful. I wanted to, like, eat the words. I just, mm-hmm. I mean, she has a really amazing gift of just being able to turn anything into something almost lyrical and um fates and furies takes that and then it's (laughs) i mean the care i'm all about the characters and the characters are so rich and powerful and complex and surprising and then you get halfway through and oh shit there's something new i didn't see that coming and (laughs) it's it's just a wonderful ride so if i could ever recommend just like one book for the rest of time that's that's it Wow, that's that's a tall order. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I've been like (laughs) spouting about this book for since I turned the last page. So um, yeah, I love it. I have I have multiple copies of it so that I can keep lending it out to people. (laughs) You're like Oprah that way, (laughs) just like Oprah. (laughs) Margo, how about you? So I really enjoyed the movie Hidden Figures. I, I thought it was like a crowd pleaser. And so I decided the author's name is Margot, Margot Lee Shelterly. So I was like, I'm just going to pick up this book. I love nonfiction. I'm kind of a nonfiction geek. And it is fantastic. If you liked the movie, you will love this book. I mean, it's filled with so many strong women. And we're talking about 
race, we're talking about African-American women who were hired by NASA to literally be computers. And they just have this rich history and of, of science and the aeronautical world. And they were, and in the movie, it's just this couple of years. And if you, I don't, did you guys see the movie? I haven't, not yet. Oh, okay. Well, no, I haven't yet, but I'm excited to. Oh, you, you, it's 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 incredible because it, the movie is great, but it's just a little reductive. They kind of just pick three characters, and and kind of keep the story a little bit small. The book is actually takes place over about 25 years, and mm. it's so interesting. And these women are fascinating, and they are just heroes to me. And I just I really really enjoyed it. I totally recommend if you liked the book or you're curious about it, definitely pick up Hidden Figures. It's just fantastic. And then. Cool. The second book was recommended to me by my mom. I read it over the holidays. I know this was a few months ago, but I still think about it because I thought it was so much fun. It's anti-mame, and it's a. I love old Hollywood films, and Rosalind Russell plays the anti-mame, and it's, it takes place in the 1950s. And so I got the actual book, and the actual book is really kind of raunchy and funny as hell. It's just a great <laughs> ride. If you're looking for a vacation read, I totally recommend it. It's just the language is, is funny and, and sharp. I really, really enjoyed it. Anti-Mame. And then my last choice is The Princess Diarist, and that's uh, Carrie Fisher's autobiography. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she was, I mean, as, as funny as she was, and she was a great talk show guest, and she's, of course, you know, I'm a Star Wars geek. She's my hero from that. Yeah. She was a hell of a writer. That woman could string a sentence together that would make you laugh so hard. I mean, her wit is so sharp, she could cut diamonds with it. She's so, so, so brilliant. And she's talking about stuff like, filming star wars and she's talking about yeah like, getting drunk at hollywood parties and she's talking about just all kinds of stuff but it, it you know it makes you it's gonna make you miss her so much but I, i'm so glad she wrote those books and i'm gl so glad for her honesty she really is just like such a hero to me so that's my last choice the princess diarist Aw, love it margo yeah thank you thank you so say we should just slide on into this interview with Lindsay miller what do you guys think yeah Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Today, our guest is Lindsay Miller. She's the news and culture director for Pop Sugar, guiding content and strategy across the media's company, media company's political and pop culture coverage. In her 10 years as a multimedia journalist, she has broadcast live from the Oscars red carpet, covered the Cannes Film Festival, and reported backstage from the New York Fashion Week. She has interviewed the top celebrities of our time, including Angelina Jolie, George Clooney, and Jennifer Lawrence, and provided expert commentary for leading outlets, including the Associated Press, Good Morning America, Today Show, and she is a regular guest on CBS's The Talk. She holds a BA in print journalism and a master's in professional nonfiction writing, both from the University of Southern California. She is here today to talk about media, pop culture, fashion, celebrities, and so much more. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so glad to be here. We're, we're thrilled, to ha thrilled to have you. This is Margo, and on the line today, we have Kristen. Hello. Hey. Hey, so I'm going to start with the first question. You have what a lot of people would consider a total dream job. I know I would. So just the short version, how did you end up at Pop Sugar? And then just as a follow-up, do you have any advice for anyone who's pursuing a similar line of work? Okay, well, cut me off if I ramble Go on and it. on, please. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was a long path to get where I am today, but what I will say is that I was lucky enough to know from a pretty early age that I really loved writing and I really loved storytelling and I was lucky to have people in my life that really 
encouraged that and fostered that. So I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with my life and career when I went to college. I still don't know necessarily where my life and career will take me today, and I think that's fine. But, you know, by my I started college at a little liberal arts school in Portland, Oregon, which I loved. But by my sophomore year, I really realized that I, I wanted to get into journalism. So I applied to Annenberg at USC. I got in. I transferred, went through the program there, and... My senior year internship turned into my first uh, job, which was very exciting. So I, it does not sound sexy, it does not sound cool, but I worked for the West Coast editor of Reader's Digest of all magazines. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was really cool because, yeah. you know, it is the second biggest magazine in the country. And so she was really responsible for booking all of the celebs on their covers and because, you know, we had such a huge circulation, every month we would get, like, the biggest stars for our cover stories, whether it was Angelina Jolie or George Clooney or Reese Witherspoon. And she really oversaw those from start to finish, from the booking to the photo shoot to editing the story that our writer wrote. So that was so cool at such an early age to get that much of a close look at what really goes on behind the curtain with stuff like that. And then the recession hit. Uh, I think everybody in journalism remembers that time very well. Yep. Um, and so, yes. <laughs> so then the magazine ended up closing its L.A. operations. So I started working pretty much freelance, but it was a, a pretty full-time freelance job with stylist at AOL. And actually, that's how I know Kristen. Yes, it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was an awesome experience. That's when I got to cover New York Fashion Week for the first time, which was just like a dream come true. It was like February in New York, and, you know, I'm pretty sure I got frostbite, but it was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, and so from there, I feel like I'm going on and on. If this is too long, you guys can edit me, cut me, whatever you want to do. You just keep talking. Keep talking. (laughs) Okay. So that was a dream. I was freelancing for magazines that I thought were awesome, like Nylon. And then after that, I landed at E!, And I had a great time. It was honestly prime time to be in entertainment journalism because while I was there, and I was only there for a little over a year, but the Tiger Woods scandal broke, Michael Jackson passed away, Britney Spears was constantly in court, court. the bling ring was on the loose. It was like a really incredible time to be covering entertainment. So spent a lot of time downtown at the courthouse eating bad cafeteria sandwiches and chasing down sources. And then from there, I decided to make the jump to Pop Sugar because I just thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to join a really promising, already really successful, smaller company where I could hopefully make a bigger mark because E was great. But, of course, you know, it's a big corporation, um, and I was pretty young in my career still at the time, so I've never looked back. Oh, that's awesome. And I have to say, I was really excited, you know, just knowing you and then getting to see some of what you did at E and then going on to Pop Sugar and following you there. Like, I I don't know. I'm living vicariously through you. So, you know, <laughs> thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> now, you know, so to a lot of us, I think that, um, you know, covering the red carpet sounds so glam. And, you know, like Margot said in your intro, I mean, you've been all over doing all kinds of things. And, you know, most of the pictures we get are, you know, we see pictures of you interviewing celebrities and everything looks so cool. But I am betting that there is more to it than that because every once in a while, you know, we see like the aerial view and it just looks like a 
madhouse. It so is a madhouse. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> dying to know, like, what are some of the more interesting things that you go through to get that coverage? You know, maybe some things that would totally surprise us. Oh, man. I mean, I do always think about, I'll have these moments of recognition where I'm like, if only people could really see what this experience is like on the other side of it. I have definitely, you know, like walked in my stilettos through a trash-strewn alley to like get to the Oscars red carpet. I have eaten Jack in the Box in a borrowed Alexander McQueen dress after the Grammys. <laughs> it's not as glamorous as it looks on TV, and I think the experience is kind of the same for everybody in the mix. You know, like the Oscars, for example, that is a massive production that takes thousands of people to put on, tons of producers, tons of crew. There's just a lot of elbow grease that I think goes into the glamour that people don't always see. I remember, like, I think it was two years ago at the Oscars, there was just, like, a torrential downpour. And even though it was tented, the rain was so heavy that the tents scenes were starting to split. And they had these guys coming out with essentially brooms that they had wrapped towels around the ends of, like giant Q-tips, to try to, like, stem the flow of water. (laughs) Oh, so that the celebs and the camera crews wouldn't get doused. It's just stuff like that where I'm like, oh, wow, I wish everyone could could see what this is really like. It's amazing. So my question is when you're around, you know, you're around these gorgeous, sexy, beautiful people, you know, larger than life. And I, I've seen some of them in person as well. And you can feel so small next to them and so insignificant. I mean, do you ever, worry, you know, do you ever feel that way when you're around celebrities? Do you ever, like, have to kind of check yourself, like, I'm important too, I'm a person too, like, to not feel lesser than? Yeah, for sure. Well, look, I mean, yes, these people are gorgeous and beautiful and talented, and that's why they are where they are today. But I think, too, you know, being in the industry, you see what goes into creating all of that. So you see that there is a stylist and a makeup artist and, you know, a hairstylist and a publicist. Like, these people have teams that put forward that image. And I think, you know, you meet a lot of them, and you realize, like, we all have a lot in common as fellow human beings. So... I also have been, I will say, like, really refreshed by kind of the more inclusive steps we're seeing in media, in advertising, and just at, like, a grassroots level with young women to kind of embrace beauty in any form that it comes in. Um, and I know that's something that you guys probably, you know, have seen reflected, too, yeah. when it comes to how women sort of, like, view their, their bodies and, and fitness and I don't think people these days see beauty quite as much as a thing to achieve or like a mold to smash yourself into as much as they used to. Obviously, there's still all kinds of harmful images and standards that women have to combat every day. But at the same time, I think it's really refreshing to see, you know, a celebrity like Alicia Keys who decides, like, she's not always going to wear makeup and goes with that. I just think, like, more representation has been... Great. And I also think, too, you know, when it comes to me and dealing with these people, like, sure, I still get starstruck when I'm meeting somebody that I have admired my whole life and who I think is really incredible. But I also think, you know, the older you get and you settle into yourself more, you kind of relax. I mean, I think, especially at least for me in my early 20s, there's like this sort of like suspicion that literally everyone but you has their shit figured out and then (laughs) sort of totally realize realize that's not the case. There's not like some big conspiracy going on that you're outside of. Yeah, I think as much as, as, you know, you get steeped in that and clearly I'm surrounded by it all the time, not just with celebrities, but just being in LA where like youth and beauty are so 
overvalued. You just got to kind of like shake it off as much as you can. And, you know, it's like I like to stay fit. I've always been athletic, but I really try to focus on like the way that makes me feel about myself versus the way it makes me look in the mirror. You know? I do. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah, totally. Oh, it totally makes sense. <laughs> that's that's a little bit of what we preach right there. So there, there are yeah, yeah. we're friends. Yeah. So kind of going along with that, like, I am certain that you have picked up some really amazing fashion and beauty tips over the years because, I mean, I see the pictures of you and you're absolutely, I mean, you're always beautiful, you know this, but like on the red carpet, there are times that I'm just like, damn. So please share what we might have. Oh, I will. I will share. So we actually have an awesome makeup artist at Pop Sugar, Kasha Bohos. And she has imparted lots of awesome tips to me. I will say this is my favorite one because I feel like it would be life-changing for people who don't know it. You know those little white wedge makeup sponges? Yes. Like the ones you can just get in the bag for like, you know, two bucks at CVS. Those are like the surefire way to get deodorant marks off clothes. Oh. Really? Yes. And I, you know, you try everything like the wet washcloth. It's impossible. Those things are like the magic little tool to remove those, which when you're on set and you're like changing clothes a bunch, definitely a tip that you need to have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And it's I great use... too for like if you're going to the gym, you know, and you get something on your uh, top, those yeah. are the magic. Yeah. yeah. I will say also just um, clean white socks is not bad. It, it might not work quite as well because it's probably a little like softer, but it's Ooh. not a bad substitute. I've used baby wipes. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that in mind. And baby wipes. Oh, that's good. good. And you know another another sort of another MacGyver sort of beauty secret is if you're ever out and about and you are feeling greasy or oily and you don't have like powder or blotting papers, kind of gross. But um, toilet seat covers do the trick. We we got that from Self Magazine. We interviewed the beauty director for Self Magazine. Do you remember that, Kristen? That was a few months yeah, ago. Yeah, I do. It rocked my world yeah, when she so, said that. So good. It really works. Yeah, it totally works. Especially <laughs> you leave your, your spin class and you don't have a lot of time to get freshed up. I mean, seriously, I've done this. You just anyway. Yeah, if you can get past pressing a toilet seat cover <laughs> exactly. to your face, it works really well. <laughs> <gasps> That's so great. So you've been to so many press events over the years. I, I, I mean, do you still get excited about award shows and premieres, or, or is it sort of old hat for you right now? Well, look, it's, it's a job and it's work for sure. So you go in, you know, feeling like you want to do a good job, you prepare, you want to be serious and professional about it. But hell yeah, it's so exciting. I mean, I, I will never forget, you know, covering the Cannes Film Festival for the first time and walking into town and, like, seeing those red steps in per- Like, I'm getting emotional thinking about it right now. It's just, I think one thing that, that still jars me sometimes, even in the middle of award season when you've just been, like, you know, going at a frenetic pace and things, you can start to feel a little bit jaded, is just the fact that a lot of the things that I've been so, so lucky and so privileged to be able to have the chance to do are honestly these moments that are, like, once-in-a-lifetime moments, and I've gotten to have, like, several of those moments in my life. So I still, all the time, I mean, I grew up in Boise, Idaho. Like, I never would have pictured that I would ever be standing on the steps at the Cannes Film Festival. So, you know, you got to check yourself if you are totally over it. I mean, I think you got to be grateful for having these opportunities. It's great. And, you know, 
yeah, you can say, like, it's just the Oscars, it's it's just movies, it's superficial, but it's still pretty incredible, and I, you got to just remember that. Yep. you got to keep that in mind. Yeah, if you start not appreciating what you're doing, then maybe it's time to find something else, because that's awesome. For sure. Yeah. So are there any specific stories or any interviews that you've either handled or in any way been involved in that just left, like, an enormously lasting impression on you that you just will carry with you forever? Oh, man. I mean, there have been so many. I think one of the coolest and most humbling things about, you know, reporting and being in journalism is just the fact that you get to kind of serve as a conduit for so many other people's incredible stories and their experiences. So, you know, even going back to my time at E, you know, sure, it was incredible to be, like, covering the Bling Ring case in real time and, like, you know, going to the LAPD to, like, talk to to cops and, like, reporting on that. But also, like, the really human stories have stuck with me. Like, I did a piece um, a few years ago with Kat Dennings and her best friend, Rodine Onkeo, who's a really incredible woman, and she was diagnosed with breast cancer in her very early 30s. It was a very aggressive form. She ended up having the BRCA gene. And we did a piece that I, I really hope you know, impacted other women who had a family history to get tested and kind of take their destiny in their own hands. And she and I still touch base every once in a while, and she's doing so well. She's healthy. She has a baby of her own now. So it's great to sort of, you know, meet those people and tell those stories. But, you know, when once you tell the story, it's not always over, you know. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, I've just gotten to the chance to meet and talk with so many women that I have admired so greatly. I, one of my very first interviews I ever did on camera was with Julie Andrews, which oh my talked God. about starstruck. <laughs> oh my I was just, like, racked with nerves, and she was the loveliest human that you would ever meet. So, yeah, it's like for me to get to talk to women like Ava DuVernay and Ibn Taj Muhammad, like, for my job, it's, again, just like an incredible thing to be able to do. And, I, you know, another story that I will never forget, we used to do this great series called I'm a Huge Fan where we connected a fan with their favorite celebrity. And um, I will never forget the episode that we did with Drew Barrymore because the girl who came in, we you know, we flew her into L.A. and had this whole weekend set up, this whole experience, and the culmination was that she got to meet Drew. And Drew actually asked us for, like, a dossier on the winner beforehand And when the girl got a little bit flustered and nervous during their interview, she jumped in and had all this info on her and was like, so I heard you did karaoke for like 30,000 people. What was that like? And just to see what that meant to this young woman was, you know, so incredible. And just to see, you know, somebody like Drew Barrymore, who is a very busy woman, has a lot going on, didn't need to do that to care so deeply about that was just really moving to me. And, you know, to see these young women go through this experience and meet their favorite celebrity, it was, you know, a great, fun, obviously, cool opportunity. But I think, like, for a lot of them, they kind of got out of their comfort zone. They were challenged to take on, you know, what was really a big responsibility, sitting down with their favorite celebrity and interviewing them. And they come out the other end of it with, like, this newfound confidence and sort of perspective on life that, you know, that that just always stays with me and it always will. 
I feel like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like women are having a great moment now in entertainment. Like, of, of you know, women of color, all women, I feel, are just really sort of having their voices be heard louder more than ever. I, I mean, have you noticed that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, obviously, there's still a very long way to go in mm-hmm. so many ways. But again, like, kind of even going back to what I said about representation and beauty, you know, finally, I think people are realizing that it's not just, like, white men that go to the movies like hidden secrets was a huge hit and for some reason that was like surprising to so many people and it's like why you know (laughs) i don't it's kind of just like people are starting to realize like oh well representation matters and from the most cynical perspective it's like yeah you can sell tickets to that movie look how well get out did you know Mm -hmm. and so i think that's been a really positive sea change because you know especially coming from a journalism perspective like Stories are always going to be richer, and our world is always going to be richer if we're hearing from a, a range of different people and different experiences and different stories and different perspectives. So, you know, I think obviously the Internet and social media has helped kind of democratize all of that. But, yeah, I just think it's awesome to see, like, badass, entrepreneurial, creative women like Issa Rae who are killing it right now. Yep. It's, yeah, it's an exciting time. Again, like, we're not there yet. But there's some exciting strides being being made for sure. Yeah. Well, so at Pop Sugar, you guys have a, a pretty strong feminist vibe. You know, it's not all just like red carpet and beauty tips. And right. so has that always been the case, like from inception or since the time you've been there? And how do your readers and viewers tend to react to the fluffier things versus the deeper things? Is it the same people reading both of those? Do you have kind of different groups coming to you? Or how – How does that work? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we do, since we do cover so many different topics, for sure there are some people who might have come to us more for like fitness and mom's coverage than they do for like fashion or beauty. But at the same time, I think we all know as women that we can be interested in reading about like the new Dior mascara and also care about what's going on in Syria. Like, they don't Hell have to be yes. exclusive, right? right? right. Hell like, yes. Like, that's not surprising to us as women. And, it, you know, it does bother me because it's like you don't see male politicians, for example, being dismissed because they tweet about sports sometimes. So why are we getting slammed for writing about lip gloss and also writing about, you know, sexual assault and, and sexual harassment in the workplace? Like, we can hold all those ideas in our brains at once. It's funny you said that because, right, Teen Vogue has, has been killing it with um, some of their election coverage and their political coverage. And there was a, there was one of the, uh, one, there was a reporter from Teen Vogue who was on Tucker Carlson's show and kind of wanted to just dismiss her as like, oh, don't you write about mascara and clothes? Right. You know, like, you, what are you even talking about? And she's like, no, right. teen girls care about everything. You know, they're smart. And yeah. yeah. And I think, too, and you guys know this, too, you know, like, if you look back on women's publications in recent years, like, it's awesome that Teen Vogue's gotten so much attention, but it's, like, it's not a new phenomenon that there's been, like, great stories and deeper coverage in, in women's publications, even if, like, you know, men are just now discovering it. Like, we know that that's been there for years. And so, you know, I think what's interesting, too, is women, I'm noticing, too, especially in the last year with, you know, the climate politically and everything, like, I think people really want to feel not just inspired, like, they don't want to just look at, like, aspirational things, but they also want to see how they can, like, take that inspiration and turn it into actionable takeaways, you know, like, 
we don't want to bury our heads in the sand, but we also want to look on the bright side and look for positive ways to make change. So I think that's also something that we really think about in our coverage. It's like if we're going to cover, for example, like I mentioned, what's going on in Syria, like we want to give people actionable ways that they can sort of like, you know, hopefully positively contribute, whether it's by, you know, how to, how to call your lawmakers or where is a legit place that you can donate funds. So that's something that I think we always – keep in mind. You know, we want to give people great new workout trends, but we want to tell them how to do it on kind of like the lighter side of that too. But yeah, again, like it's just like women can be interested in all of that and they are and they always have been. Yep. Yep. So Lindsay, you are in addition to your exciting work life, you are also a voracious reader. And you're always really good about sharing what you've read and what you're <laughs> loving. And I, I love this because I don't always agree with you. But I'm always interested to see. Yes, <laughs> we have some um, some some good, interesting shares back and forth. But yeah. I but it's always really interesting, and it's always like you're always recommending things that are really intelligently written. So I I've got to know like, do you have a top current book recommendation or like a top three that people have to read? You know that I do. I know you do. So one of my favorite latest books, which I think, Kristen, you're going to agree that this is a good pick. Alyssa Mastromonaco just wrote a memoir called Who Thought This Was a Good Idea? And it's all about her time working for Obama in the White House. And I, I interviewed her before the book came out, but it's such a fascinating perspective because she was one of the few women and the youngest people to ever hold a position as the deputy chief of staff. So she's got this really funny feminist take on life and work that just, like, really stuck with me. I mean, she tells stories of how she managed to get the first tampon machine installed in the White House bathroom. (laughs) Um, She shares all these stories about Obama, like, meddling in her romantic life. It's definitely worth a read. It's really entertaining. And then on the fiction side, I just had a chance to read an early copy of Jessamyn Ward's new novel. She won the National Book Award. She wrote Salvage the Bones. And that book is called Sing Unburied Sing, which is deeply affecting. It's a little bit uh, dark and heavy, but it's just a beautiful, beautiful coming-of-age novel. So that's worth a pre-order for sure. Awesome. And then I'm also a really big fan of Jessica Valenti's newsletter. I'm not a big newsletter person across the board, but I really enjoy her newsletter, which is called The Week in Patriarchy. (laughs) She's great. I love her. It's really She's awesome, and it's just such a smart, entertaining take on kind of honestly what's happening with women in the world. Like, she kind of tackles every sort of angle about issues that are affecting women, um, and she always does it with that really, like, conversational, super smart voice that I'm just always kind of like, I just get wrapped up in it immediately. So I definitely recommend subscribing to that. I recommend following her on Twitter, too, because Twitter can be a total garbage fire, you know, as people like to say. But she's like a wonderful (laughs) voice that I I, I turn to when I need reason and I need funny and reason and smart people, you know, interacting with each other. So definitely I, I recommend following her on Twitter as well. For sure, yes. So I guess, Kristen, I should ask her the last question. I guess so. Like, I could totally I talk know. about this stuff all day. I do actually have a, a hot anniversary date with my husband, so I probably should. Um, Ooh, yeah. Good for you. Totally, yeah. Um, but, yeah, let's do it. Last question. Last question. So, Lindsay Miller, what was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? Oh, my goodness. What was the song, last song that I listened to? 
you know what? It was probably bad and bougie because that song is like permeating everything right now <laughs> on repeat. I don't know that I'm, song. I'm being honest. You don't know bad and bougie? No, no. Tell me, please. I bet you know it by Migos. I bet you know it. They got a shout out at the Golden Globes. It's everywhere. Okay, now you have some homework to do. I do have this, some. Uh, I, I have some books to read. I have to. Yeah, definitely. Well, Lindsay, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. You're a great guest. Uh, thank you both so much. I'm so honored to be a guest on the show. Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitfoundgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.